Hello and welcome to a brand new podcast, Running the Race, a pastoral perspective on living the Christian life in our day. To find out more about First Baptist Gonzales or to listen to more episodes of Running the Race podcast, head over to our website, fbcg.net slash rtr. Today's episode is a discussion of the value of the nuclear family. Our speakers are Jim Law, senior pastor at FBC Gonzales, and our minister to students, Alex Ray. I'm Alex Ray here with Jim Law. And this is our first installment of our new project called Running the Race. Jim, would you like to share a few words on the goal and the purpose of our project here? Thank you, Alex. We're calling this podcast Running the Race, RTR, which is an outreach arm and a discipleship tool of FBCG. Uh, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, um, uh, gives this uh, powerful charge to God's people then and now that we're to run the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so we're really hoping that we can use this time to address cultural issues, uh, doctrinal issues, things pressing against the church that would be an outreach to those considering the Christian faith, and also uh, a, a time to edify the body and to grow in discipleship. We're looking forward to this in this first episode. That's great. And so what, really one of the things we want to talk about and, and explore all these really important issues that are going on um, in our society. And, and uh, for the time being, one of the things that's really come to the forefront over the past couple months uh, in the news and, and the media and, and things and social media for the, uh, especially is the prevalence and the prominence of uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, the organization. I want to be clear here that we're not talking about the statement Black Lives Matter, which we would certainly affirm, uh, uh, but the organization. And would also say that all lives matter in the biblical worldview. Um, we're all yeah. created in the image of God, and mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yep, but, absolutely. And so we, uh, but for our, our purposes today, we're talking about the organization Black Lives Matter, and uh, there are some things that they said that are that are pretty troubling. And so I'm, I'm going to read uh, to kind of set the stage uh, for today, reading directly from the website, and we want to encourage uh, the hearers not just to take our words for it, but to look at it themselves. Uh, but on BlackLivesMatter.com, under the What We Believe section, one of the things they say is, is this, and this, I'm quoting directly: it says, "We disrupt." the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages, villages being in quotes, that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. And so while there's a lot there that we might agree with, like to, uh, for example, we would agree that as Christians, we're called to collectively care for others in the body. Uh, mm-hmm. There's all, all these verses we've talked about time and time again about doing life with one another, all the one another in the Bible, oh, but there's also some things that are very troubling here. Uh, uh, the first one being there's no mention of fathers uh, at all in this definition. Uh, but for our purposes today, uh, it said that we disrupt the the Western prescribed nuclear family. And that's really what, what we want to talk about, um, the uh, the idea of the nuclear family. And and so did you want to say, what, what would you say, how would you define what the nuclear family is all about? Yeah, that what, what Black Lives Matter uh, mentioned in their purpose statement um, is a radical redefinition of, of, of life and family in, in Western civilization. When uh, Bronislaw Mal, uh, Malinowski <laughs> excuse me, coined the, the term nuclear family in the 1920s, the term nuclear at that time was uh, not tied to mep- weapons of mass destruction or culturally radical decisions. Um, but was linked really to the idea of nucleus. And so that nucleus was a father, a mother, and their children, whether natural or biological, uh, natural, biological, or adopted. Um, interestingly, just uh, I've been reading in um, Andreas Kostenberger's uh, 
really, I think, a landmark book, um, God, Marriage, and the Family, Rebuilding the Biblical Foundations. So for the first time in, in history, Western civilization is faced with radical redefinitions of the terms of marriage and family. And until the last uh, uh, generation, we've, we've seen with, the great, with great rapidity the altering of what was once considered a normal family, made up of a father, a mother, and a number of children, and has uh, in recent years begun to be viewed um, as one among many, many options, which can no longer claim uh, to be uh, superior or uh, even desirable. Uh, the Judeo-Christian view of marriage and the family, with its roots in the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, has uh, has has to a significant extent been replaced with a set of values that really prize um, human rights, self-fulfillment, uh, pragmatic um, desires uh, of the individual. So it can be rightly said that marriage and the family are institutions that have been under siege for three decades at least, and um, and that marriage and the family are and our very civilization is in crisis. So you know, Alex, I'm just thinking through how are we to process uh, this right now? Well, as followers of of Jesus, um, as believers in Him who uh, receive biblical authority, um, and that's the lens by which we view the world. Um, we, we seek to uphold, in this present conversation, a worldview informed by the Scriptures. And Kostenberger really kind of summarizes it by saying, if God is the Creator in fact, and as the Bible teaches, instituted marriage in the family, and if there is an evil being called Satan mm -hmm. who wages war against uh, God's creative purposes in this world, it should come as no surprise that the divine foundation of these institutions uh, has come under massive attack in recent years. And so when we talk about these foundations, um, Psalm 11, verse 3 says, if the foundations are destroyed, what should the righteous do? And mm -hmm. I, I think of foundations that, are, um, that emerge from the Scripture, like truth, objective truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, some may wonder what, what we're talking about there. Right. Well, I think in a biblical worldview, uh, as we view this world, that God has spoken an objective truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's a God who speaks. And um, I mean, we function in society based upon objectivity. Right. Every time we go to every time we go to the uh, a traffic intersection and the mm -hmm. light says red, we're responding objectively right. to that means stop. Right. Or you go to the doctor's office and you get a prescription. Yeah. There's you're, you're required to take two pills and only two pills uh, for whatever medication you're taking. If you say if you say, well, you know what, I think I'm going to take a little more than that, then things might not go very well for you. Yes, and so when we think of spiritual tr truth, we, we believe that God has uh, moved in history through the person, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. and he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through, through me. So that idea of objective truth um, seen in the Ten Commandments and all throughout Scripture has been jettisoned for uh, people doing what is right in their own eyes. That's a, that's a foundation that uh, needs to be recovered Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so, what do you what do you think uh, if we think about this idea of doing what's right in our own eyes? I think that's a um, very applicable statement about our society um, and the, and how this plays into the idea of the nuclear family. And one of the ways that uh, one of the ways to kind of um, examine that is the role of husband and wives that make up. 
that nuclear family. What would what do you what are your thoughts on the idea? Right. To- I mean, well, that takes me right to the opening chapters of the Bible, mm-hmm. where we read the creation account, and in that we um, uh, we we see the first wedding ceremony where God brings together Adam and Eve and sets them uh, on a um, on a calling and a purpose and a journey, mm-hmm. and um, that's where we we see the first family. Um, and uh, that they were called to uh, be fruitful and multiply. And so in that first marriage ceremony, you see four creative uh, principles that emerge that, if ignored, cause major problems in the human experience. And one is um, uh, that of separation. Mm-hmm. It, it is good for a man to leave his father and mother. And so mm-hmm. uh, he's defining marriage as a, a, a relationship that's unique to all other human relationships. And then there's the idea of... Um, uh, of permanence, that they are to cleave together in a covenant, lifelong relationship, one with another, a monogamous relationship. Mm-hmm. And then he describes uh, the spiritual dynamics of marriage when he says that um, uh, that marriage is a unity, the two become one, which is later used in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul to describe the relationship of, of Jesus Christ to his church. And so every marriage, in one sense, is a picture of that ultimate reality of Jesus and his church. And then finally, um, the sexual intimacy, they were both naked and not ashamed. Mm-hmm. So God created sexual intimacy within the confines of the garden in the first marriage ceremony as something beautiful and right and um, as a gift uh, to um uh, to human beings, it, mm. it, those created in His image. So that, that's what I, I, I see just emerging from uh, the Bible early and all the way through the, the biblical revelation. Yeah, and it's interesting that last one, especially, and this is maybe a, another topic for another day. But the, the idea of, of sex is that God's not grossed out by sex; that that sex is a, is a gift from God. This idea of intimacy that we sometimes get painted in this picture that um, we're just a bunch of prudes or something like that, but that sex is a gift from God, created by God, and and it's a gift from Him. I mean, when you read uh, passages like uh, Proverbs 5, Mm -hmm. to rejoice in the wife of your youth, and uh, the Song of Solomon, which is uh, filled with uh, intimate expressions of love, Um, when you look um, at the New Testament as well, that um, uh, love expresses itself in purity mm-hmm. and in truth. And we, we see that marriage, um, biblically defined, is, is what we're to, you know, to strive for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So truth, um, and then I, I, as a foundation, then, and how it informs how we live, mm-hmm. but also the whole issue of conscience, this, this uh, foundation that is eroded to the point of, of what we're seeing now. And this, this idea of conscience really means co-knowledge. And so, conscience is, is knowledge together with oneself, and it's a it's almost like a um, an alarm system within us. And the Bible speaks of a troubled conscience, a seared conscience. Um, it also speaks of a clear conscience that we're to have a clear conscience before uh, God and man. And so, when you have uh, conscience um, being violated. Um, and no one uh, really responding to it anymore. You see the chaos uh, that we're seeing um, almost on a daily basis mm-hmm. uh, where there's no sense of... Uh, and, and it's been aided and abetted by a society that by and large has said, you don't need to be responsible for your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the whole uh, picture of family, which we've touched on already. Uh, some years ago, Alex, I, I read the testimony of one judge who sat on the bench of a juvenile court in California, and this was his this was his assessment of seeing week in and week out juveniles appearing before him in the in, in court. He said it becomes very disturbing to see the hollow eyes 
and expressions on juveniles uh, when they are so totally disenfranchised, so totally disaffected, so totally removed from the system that there is absolutely no hope whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Wow. Erwin Lutzer, um, who is one of my favorite pastors, pastored uh, Moody Church for a long time, and he, he, he shared how one of his associates was um, um, uh, walking with his family through Lincoln Park in Chicago, just north of the church. And as um, this associate pastor and his wife and four children were walking along the sidewalk, one elderly lady sitting on a park bench next to her friend uh, said, look, a family. Mm. Just almost an astonishment. Mm -hmm. No doubt uh, she hadn't seen a family in a long time. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of the nuclear family is um, one that's been morphed into other other things. Um, I think the foundation of government family or truth conscience uh, family government Romans 13 as God established government to um, keep order mm-hmm. uh, gave government uh, the authority of the sword and we've seen that misused no no worse than in the 20th century mm-hmm. but uh, to enforce order and in, in the America the American context the founders were very suspicious of the dictates of the sinful human heart and placed a series of checks and balances mm-hmm. Uh, where um, God was to be feared and understood in our in our life, while there was uh, no f- uh, state religion, there was an understanding that uh, we live and move and have our being under the authority of God Almighty. Nothing could be more clear in reading our our documents. And so, when when government leaves that foundation and that presupposition to um, embrace a, an atheistic worldview, which we're seeing in earnest today. That's a problem. I, uh, You know what I've noticed in recent days, too, is the, the re- recurrence of uh, uh, the writings of Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who, mm-hmm. yep. who uh, was lived in Soviet uh, the Soviet Union under Stalin, was put in prison because he had made a uh, a negative comment about in a private a, letter, yeah, in a private letter yeah. to the regime, mm-hmm. um, and um, and so he's in the gulag, and um, he spoke straightforwardly on why sixty million people perished under Stalin. Men have forgotten God, and that's why all this happened. Yeah, that that's just so stunning mm-hmm. when we're seeing a, a move of. A, a Marxist, socialist, um, ultimately communistic worldview uh, taking root in America. Mm-hmm. A- another c- comment by Solzhenitsyn, um, who um, uh, spoke straightforwardly, uh, but, but also he, he said as he got older uh, in the latter part of the 20th century that the present situation, um, in the present situation, communists uh, have to use various disguises and some sometimes we hear words like popular front or we need to have dialogue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Solzhenitsyn said in the Soviet Union, this dialogue was simple. Uh, they use machine guns and revolvers. That, that's the dialogue. Yeah. And so we're seeing attacks uh, in the foundation of government and order. And then finally, the church, Alex, which is where we spend the preponderance of our life. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we long for the church to be vibrant and um, salt and light and healthy and Often uh, that's not the case. So, um, you know, to have courage mm-hmm. yeah. and standing for the truth, biblical truth and foundations. And mm-hmm. I remember uh, one of my favorite quotes from John Piper was, um, salt doesn't mock rot- rotting meat. So salt doesn't mock rotting meat. And so as we're talking about these things, we're not pointing the finger out into the world. 
we're longing and aching to see God move mm-hmm. for his glory for the church to be all that he wants it to be. And so when we look at these foundations, it comes back to this discussion on the nuclear family, um, that God ordained it and um, that we should strive to um, pursue that. Right, right. And and that really much ties into a lot of the discussion today, especially about the the importance of parents. And Mm -hmm. and that's something we'll touch on in just a moment on uh, on what happens when we deviate um, from this foundation of 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 one husband, one father, one mother. Um, household um, and the repercussions of that, the ripple effects of that, can be quite devastating. Uh, some, some that's already been alluded to, but I can imagine though you would have um, some people who would hear everything you're saying, and they say, "Well, you know what? I would, I was raised by a single, mo- single mother, and oh, yeah. I turned out just fine." Right. Uh, how how would you respond to that? Or you might have a single mother who's listening to this and say, "Listen, we're, right. we're doing just fine." Yeah, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, the last thing we want to communicate is some superior, uh, you know, spirit of superiority. We know uh, there are many reasons for single parents: mm-hmm. death, divorce, abandonment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we reject a two tier Christianity around here, don't we? Whether we're talking about spiritual gifts or one's status in life. And that's where I think, Alex, chapters like 1 Corinthians 7 come into play, where Paul is talking about different situations and that we should be content with where we are. And he describes a number of those. Mm -hmm. And so um, the church should affirm strongly single parents, single moms, single dads who are seeking to bring up their children in the truth of Christ, evidenced by their, their commitment to a local body. They should be received and loved and encouraged, um, mm-hmm. and for the church to meet needs that may not necessarily uh, be available in, home, in the home. And, you know, I think that brings us back to with regard to, uh, you know, raising children. It's not by parenting that somebody, uh, a child, is saved. It's, uh, it's by his grace. Mm-hmm. And so um, we can and should show much affirmation in those circumstances. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so that... And that, and that- you know, we think about that's a objection that we might hear uh, from time to time. Another one that I hear in addition to that is this idea of uh, polygamy. And, and specifically when I'm talking with skeptics or non-believers and they'll say, you know what, uh, what kind of ground do you have to stand on to say that the Bible um, only sanctions one man and one one marriage when the, your entire Bible is full of these polygamous marriages. And to that I say, yes, the Bible does have a lot of polygamous marriage. You don't have to go uh, very far at all. You have uh, Abraham very early on in Genesis who had multiple wives. You had Jacob, you had David, you had Solomon who had probably more than all the other previous ones combined, uh, a couple multiples uh, of that. You had all these men who had multiple wives. Uh, but what's interesting about those is that just, bec- uh, just because the Bible contains stories of these or descriptions of these men who have multiple wives, scripture never endorses it. In fact, it speaks to quite the opposite. And not only that, if you read these narratives, you read these stories, it never works out well. It never works out well at all. And so there's a difference there um, between the Bible describing something happening in the Bible, endorsing yeah, I think something that's, happening. That's a good. That's a good uh, statement, nuanced of how to understand that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, and so, I, I think that's an important thing to consider uh, if someone uh, comes back with that sort of rejoinder. But uh, that also, this idea of polygamy actually uh, ties in very well to the to this next point that we wanted to touch on, which was um, w- the question is when we deviate from 
the biblical standard, which is our authority as evangelical Christians, that uh, what happened? What are the what are the ripple effects from such a deviation? And, and I want to share this quote with you and see if maybe you um, can complace who it was. Uh, this is from 2008. It was said on Father's Day of all days. Father's Day uh, said this. Of all the rocks upon which we build our lives, we are reminded today, Father's Day, we are reminded today that family is the most important, and we are called to recognize and honor how critical every father is to that foundation. They are teachers and coaches, they are mentors and role models, they are examples of success, and the men who constantly push us towards it. But if we're honest with ourselves, we'll admit that what too many fathers are is missing missing from too many lives and too many homes. They have abandoned their responsibility to acting like boys instead of men. And the foundations, that's a really interesting word there, the foundations of our families are weaker because of it. That was former President Barack Obama. That's yeah. quite a statement um, that is for, amazing, yeah. for, for him to say that. He was addressing uh, he was a church in, in, in Chicago. And so when we see this idea, and I think we're absolutely right, um, that when we see this idea, when we when we get away from biblical um, authority, biblical um foundation that bad things uh, happen because of that and 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 the community gets very much affected by that um, we deviate from scripture and so we see that uh, back in 2015 with the Obergefell decision to redefine marriage and I, and I want to be very clear there that wasn't an expansion of marriage that was very much a redefinition of marriage and that's exactly what Chief Justice Roberts uh, wrote in his dissent in Obergefell he said that this was a uh, basically a redefinition of what marriage was all about and so because of that we have issues um, uh, even in that same week there was um, an article that was published the week of a Burgerfell that basically argued for the legal recogni- uh, recognizing um, of polygamy, a polygamous marriage that should be that should be recognized by the state as valid marriages. And then, of course, there's all these other ripple effects that come from that. And I think I think uh, uh, President Obama very much touched on that. When fathers are absent, bad things happen. And so I like how Ryan Anderson said it one time. He said, if we agree that fathers are important, why would we legislate um, things that make fathers yeah. optional? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I just, in looking at the uh, collective gains and the advance of the LB, uh, LGBTQ uh, agenda, um, that, it, you know, while we can't list all of the um, advances, um, we can't say with certainty that that they've uh, um, virtually uh, achieved everything uh, that they've wanted to come to pass. And um, I think uh, to, to, to just make clear that we're, you know, with regard to our, our response to that, the reason we reject, um, you know, uh, gay marriage um, uh, and um, and all that comes with, with that as, as a re- radical redefinition is because of the violation of, um, of God's word on so many fronts. And so uh, I would say that not to, you know, that they're, I view them as um, uh, that community as, as my enemy, mm-hmm. but really a, a, as a desire to speak truth in my generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, I think the Supreme Court got it way wrong, mm-hmm. you know, not only then, but also in recent days and tying it back to the civil rights movement. These are bad decisions that mm-hmm. are unsustainable and um, radical departures from our Constitution. So we're going to have to really ask the Lord to give wisdom and help and, and courage to stand for truth. Uh, we're, you know, with this type of um, legislation, um, we're, we're faced with um, 
and challenges of how that's going to impact freedom of speech, mm-hmm. um, religious liberty, and all of these things. And so, you know, we how, how do we sum this up? You know, we're a hope-filled people. We, we follow the one who has risen from the dead and mm-hmm. who's Lord. And uh, we need to move from God, beginning in the church, with repentance and a return to obedience to Christ. Uh, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? The times are desperate, but I fear the saints are not. And I think that um, uh, we should be, um, um, with with all of our hearts, seeking him as God's people, living out the truths that we've talked about uh, that are established in his word day by day, moment by moment, every believer pressing on in the midst of this chaos and to return to biblical authority in all areas of our life and to make the gospel of Jesus Christ known. This is a great day to live for for the Lord. More and more are we seeing um, a distinction between uh, the affairs of this world and what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so let's shine for him, Alex. Absolutely. I really enjoyed this uh, first kickoff, first episode. Likewise. Yeah. And I look forward to um, moving on in the future. Yes, sir. Once again, thanks for listening to today's Running the Race podcast. We would invite you to join us again in a couple of weeks for our next talk. Until then, you can visit www.fbcg.net for more news about our church and ministry. Thanks, God bless, and goodbye for now.